Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Dalvin Cook is now in the NFL. He's back. He's back in the NFL with a team. Ezekiel Elliott, he's back in the NFL with a team. But their contracts don't really match up. Is there something that we don't know about Dalvin's contract that maybe looks a little bit more like Zeke's, but everybody's trying to talk it up like it's a bigger deal than it is? And we also sit down with Greg Coleman. He's going to tell us some stories about Bud Grant that you have not heard before and you're going to want to hear. But also, it's a little pissed off about special teams and the changes the NFL continues to make. We'll do that next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Looking forward to today's show because we have Greg Coleman joining me in the Hangar Ron Johnson segment. Uh, Viking great, one of the first black punters in the NFL. But more importantly, Bud Grant passed away this year and, and, and the, the team is going to honor Bud throughout the year. Today is Greg Coleman's golf tournament and they are doing something special. A one of 12, there are 12 of these. Uh, they're going to auction it off. So if you want to get a, be a part of this auction to get this Bud Grant limited edition, it's like a jersey and something else he signed, but you can go on ymcanorth.org or you can Google the Greg Coleman Golf Tournament and it'll take you to the YMCA site as well. If you scroll down to the bottom, there's a link there you can see the auction live as the golf tournament goes on. We're going to golf in about an hour or so. It's going to go on to about 5 o'clock. You're going to have John Randall, Randall McDaniel, some great guys out there. But I got a chance to sit down with Greg Coleman, and I'm excited to, to let you guys hear that one coming up in the Hanging Around Johnson segment. But I want you guys to know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started today. It's going to make every moment more, people. And football is getting closer and closer and closer so you want to make sure you get down on some of these early parlays like i said daniel hunter 10 plus sacks over under jump on it it's going to be it's going to make every defensive snap more important to you every time daniel gets a sack and he cuts the door down it's going to make you a little bit more excited because the money's coming your way but as i bring my producer to the show sam extram gotta get started in this because today is a today is one of those days like i went to sleep and i'm like today is a day today's the day that's the song from a show that I know Sam's never watched. I have to see the clip, though. It's a hilarious clip mm -hmm. uh, of this guy on a movie. It was, it was Eve the Rapper. She had a TV show way back when, which you probably don't remember. Uh, it was a couple years ago, years and years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, there was a guy that was singing a song, and it was called Today's the Day. And it was like this nice, uplifting song. And then he sold his rights you know, to, to a rapper. And a rapper turned it into like a song for political uh, whatever. Like he was talking about like taking out the uh like taking guns to the streets and taking their streets back and blah blah and the dude's like every time he starts rapping the singer gets like scared like song's supposed to be nice and uplifting and then like super funny though because he, he did not know that's the direction the guy was going to go with the song that today is the day because it was supposed to be like a nice uplifting song so that, right. that was in my head today's the day today's the day to talk about running back sam 
Dalvin Cook is now a New York Jet. And I said this on June 23rd. I also said this on a Pat McAfee show. And, of course, I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not Ian Rappaport. So nobody really – I have one like on that tweet, Sam. I had one like when I said Dalvin Cook to the Jets is the best marriage, I think, out there in the NFL. Yep, nobody, did. nobody liked it. Nobody – like, I had one like. Nobody retweeted it. Wasn't a big deal. Nobody thought it could happen. Yeah, right. Dalvin Cook should go there. This is not going to work. They already have Brees Hall. They got Aaron Rodgers. They can't afford Dalvin Cook. I said Dalvin Cook is the best fit. Nobody – then all of a sudden, Tyler Conklin. So look at the timeline. Tyler Conklin goes on Good Morning Football and pitches to Dalvin Cook. So then everybody's like, wait a minute. This Dalvin Cook to Jets might be for real. I heard Ron Johnson on the Pat McAfee show, but I don't believe him. He's he's just a Vikings guy. He loves the Vikings. But then Conklin does it. Then Pat McAfee does it. Then Dalvin Cook tweets it. Then he shows up to the Hey, I said this back in June. I said Dalvin Cook to the Jets was the best marriage possible. Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook, former foes, Packers, Vikings, are now teammates. Brees Hall coming off an ACL. Why not go get you a healthy back that you know week one is going to give you everything that you need in case Brees Hall is not 100% ready to go? They now have that in Dalvin Cook. They now have receivers that are ridiculously good. You have Alan Lazard. You got Garrett Wilson. You got Aaron Rodgers, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You got a decent offensive line, but better yet, you have Sauce Gardner, and you have that defense with Quinnen Williams that is one of the best defenses in the NFL as far as talent on paper, paper champions. It's there in New York. Huge market, though. Hard knocks is there. So now Dalvin Cook might even – I mean, so there might be some hard knocks episodes of Dalvin Cook Yeah, that maybe they were keeping under wraps and was already ready to go. Like Dalvin probably saying, I want to be a Jet. Dalvin probably saying, I'm ready to sign. Maybe they did sign him, and they were just going back and forth on the money because clearly up to – $8.6 million was the key. Yeah. It's not 8.6 million. But 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 Zeke, as you pointed out, how much did he sign for, Sam? So I'm seeing three million base salary mm-hmm. and incentives up to six. Mm. That's what I'm seeing on Zeke. So, so max Dalvin, six. Yeah, max six. So Dalvin's got a lot more potential money, but again, what are those incentives? Is it Fifteen hundred yards? Is it a thousand yards? Is it you know winning a playoff game? Is it ten touchdowns? We don't know what that is, but I'm guessing the base run is probably in that five range. That's just a guess. So here's my here's where I go with this, Sam. If it is in the five range, because Zeke's is three and six bonuses, five range, maybe six, up to eight point six, which means you're right, fifteen hundred yards, maybe. 15 touchdowns or something like that, or 10 touchdowns or, uh, you know, first round playoff win, second round playoff win. That always is in there. There is a Super Bowl in there, I'm pretty sure, so that he's not going to get that. So he's not going to get to 8.6. I'm pretty – because I know – so maybe – and maybe they didn't do this because he's a running back. But I know quarterbacks, that's always in there as an incentive. Win first round, win second round, win divisional round – or sorry, uh, yeah, divisional round, conference, and then win the Super Bowl. Like they always throw all that kind of stuff in there. Win your division. Uh, win the divisional round playoffs, win the conference championship, and then you won a Super Bowl. Here's all your escalators. If they did do that to Dalvin Cook, they won. Because if they win a Super Bowl, great. Here's the money. We won a Super Bowl. We're in New York. We're about to, we are about to have all the sponsors come after us because we are better than the Giants. The Giants were always New York's team. The Jets are in like Jersey anyway. They were never New York's team. But if Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl, He's all over New York. New York will be painted green. It will be painted green. The Giants will be an afterthought. 
Daniel Jones will be a stepchild, which he probably already is, hmm. and it will be green. But Dalvin Cook, the Jets won because they're like, look, we got you to win the Super Bowl. You won the Super Bowl. We'll pay you this money. Here's your $8.6 million. But if they don't, maybe it looks like seven. So then my answer is, or my question, Sam, if the Vikings, and this is a Boomer Esiason rumor, because I've been tweeting this, and people are like, where did you hear that? Boomer Esiason said this, that they, the Vikings offered him $7 million. I have a thought about that, though. Was this his agent leaking that? Because we know he's very sneaky with how he words stuff. He's very sneaky. Him and Dalvin has been throwing subliminal bombs out on Twitter all the time. Here's tweets. Here's this. So did he leak that? And it wasn't really true because the Vikings can't confirm. They can't come back and say, no, we didn't offer him seven, man. He's lying. Just to for other teams to know, if you want my guy, you got to come up with a package better than seven because we didn't take seven mm-hmm. from the Vikings. So you got to come up with a package better than seven. If he did that and it worked out, more power to him. Great job because you did your job. You got exactly what Dalvin Cook wanted was more than seven. But if it was a base, like you're saying, a five or six, and he doesn't hit any of those, like Brees Hall kills it, and it's a running back by committee, Dalvin Cook's the third down back, catching swing. And this is the thing, Dalvin Cook's never really a true third down back anyway. So that's the one thing that's perplexing to me is he's he's a one-two back. Third down was never his thing because he he doesn't – not say he can't block, but it was always, it was always like Alexander Madison would come in for some of those passing – uh, plays where he would be the blocking back or CJ Ham. So that to me as well, like, but but maybe they're not a running team on third down anyway. Maybe they're a passing team on third down. Dalvin Cook is actually in the route tree. But it'll be very interesting if he doesn't hit that much. Like if, once these numbers come out and he doesn't hit that number and, and it is actually lower than seven. And again, maybe the Vikings only offered him five with incentives up to seven. Maybe that was the deal. And maybe the Jets say, okay, we'll give you five, but our incentives will take you to 8.6. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? But for Zeke to be offered three, max six, one, when I was saying Dalvin Cook was better than Zeke, there's the proof in the pudding. People were like, uh, I mean, proof is the pudding. I said that before. Yeah. When, when I was ranking running backs, I said Dalvin's better. I said that when I all the free agents came out. Remember, we had the show. You can go back. People can go back and watch the show. I don't just make stuff up. When you when we did the show and you asked me about running backs on the in the on the deal. I said, I thought Dalvin was the best option out there regardless. I said, he's better than Zeke to me. He's better than Kareem Hunt to me. He's better than um, whoever. I forgot whoever else was out there, uh, but he's better than all of them to me. I said, Jonathan Taylor is a different type of back, but I would even take Dalvin over Josh Jacobs only for the simple fact of it depends on, and I said this, I said, it depends on what team he goes to. The Jets are not going to run the ball like Josh Jacobs can do. Uh, the Vikings aren't going to run the ball, even though they say they want to, like Josh Jacobs can do. They want somebody who's versatile, and that's why they kept – I mean, clearly keeping Alexander Madison showed how versatile this offense is going to be. But, Sam, when you look at now Dalvin Cook signing for that, you look at Zeke signing for that, these rest of these running backs now are really like – I don't know what that Zoom call was about, but I don't feel like it was about what's going on. Like, these guys are taking deals. They're all saying 10, 11, 12 million. They're not getting that. Saquon got it, and that's less than the rookie. B. John Robinson, he's getting 13 this year. So I don't know what was on that Zoom call because Jonathan Taylor's still the only one really going. Him, I think him and Josh Jacobs are going, still going strong, holding out. But I, I don't really – Zach Martin, Cowboys guard. He just got up. His deal was supposed to be 13 and a half and 14 the next two seasons. It's now yeah. 18 over the next two seasons. So he got his money. 
He's okay with it. He's like, look, I don't want 30, I don't want 50, but I don't want what it was 13, 40, 27. So they said, let's meet in the middle, man. 40. How about 36 to 40? 36 million. Here you go. Two years guaranteed, 18 and 18. Is that good enough? Sure, I'll come play. So that's what I always wonder, man, when I when I see these contracts and see these things. Like I this Dalvin Cook thing. It's going to have to be a season-long play out. We're going to have to see it play out to see what happens with this value. But I don't know. In your mind now, do you think the running back market is kind of now set at 5 to $6 million, where it's like running backs, you can no longer ask for 10 to 20 a year or 10 to whatever, 12 a year. Right. You're kind of set at 5 to 6 now because of what these top guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, I think the precedence that, that has been set is that after that rookie contract and maybe a franchise tag, Every single year after that is going to be a battle. Right. You're going to have to fight tooth and nail to get a, a one-year contract. And then after this season, Zeke and Cook and Hunt, they're going to have to do it all again. They're, they're going to have to be back on the market trying to find a new team. And it's mm. going to happen year after year. It's like no one wants to give the multi-year deal. Right. Unless you're someone like Alexander Madison. You know, I think he signed for two, two years, $8 million. Um, and he had, you know, had some tread left on the tires. He hadn't been too worn down uh, on his previous contract. It, it's going to be a struggle year in and year out because the the second contract to the running backs, the the big four year, sixty million dollar deal, that's a thing of the past. I think. I think that it it may have dried up, and yeah, it's going to be an annual struggle. And we might be going through this next year at this time wondering is Dalvin Cook going to sign with anybody because yeah. it might not be the Jets next year it might be somebody totally different depending on again how he does this year if he looks really good maybe there's more demand and if Brees Hall outshines him yeah again uh, he might be struggling to find a team yeah well I'm excited to get to Greg Coleman and hang around Johnson segment but, but we have to we have to pay some bills we have a word from our sponsors yeah, let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook and the awesome new promotion they have going on there. Uh, do you like the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions? They're plus 600 to win the Super Bowl again. Well, maybe you put that bet down on the Chiefs' Super Bowl future. Well, every time the Chiefs win this year, you're going to get bonus bets in return. That applies to the Bills. It applies to the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Texans. You place a Super Bowl future bet. You get bonus bets every time that team wins along the way during the season. And you can put those bonus bets on anything. Spreads, player props, over-unders. Myriad ways to wager at FanDuel. America's number one sports book. So go to the website, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get started with this promotion or other great promotions at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on the FanDuel Sportsbook app works as well. Safe, secure, easy to use. FanDuel, make every moment more. Well, now it's time for the Hanging Around Johnson segment. And this is a fun one for me. I love when I get a chance to sit down with Greg Coleman just because uh, I look back to pictures from like 2013, 2014 uh, at the Metrodome, 2012, 11. And Greg Coleman, uh, every time I got a chance to come to the game, um, I'm at a group. Highline Construction is the group. They are golfers in Greg's events. Uh, I actually did a Vikings event and met them the first time, but then I golfed with them with Greg Coleman as well. And uh, these guys have been an integral part of uh, just me being a part of golf. And then Greg Coleman has been a big part of uh, my growth, uh, the things I've been through. But then just another father. You know, my father passed away. It's always nice to have uh, a men uh, like Greg, Tony Dungy, Mel Blunt, guys that I can just send a message to every once in a while. They're, they're letting me know that I'm doing something right. Uh, and, and somebody that I can see as a father. So with no further ado, let me get Greg Coleman in here into the hang around Johnson segment. 
Uh, you know, I, I, I learned Greg early uh, as I started to see more more guys, you know, in the NFL, uh, young guys pass away, man, to make sure that I always uh, give guys their flowers, man. So I, I, I'm proud of you. Uh, I mean, you're a great punter. We know that first black punter. That's that's some black history stuff, man, and nobody can ever take away. Uh, but you're a father, man. You're a great father. And now you're a grandpa. Is it Papa or what, what is it? It's Big Papa. Big Papa. <laughs> well, you know, you're a grandpa as well. And so just watching you as a grandpa, as a father, seeing Greg Jr., uh, you know, when I get a chance to golf with him and then your daughter, uh, I could just see the love and, and how much they love uh, being around you. So I take that into every day when I get a chance to be with my kids. Uh, I, I try to spend every waking moment. Like people always wonder, like, man, how come you don't go out? How come you don't you don't come to the? the I'm like, man, look, I got three, four jobs, <laughs> I got two kids and a wife. Like, I don't have free time, and I'm fine with it. Like, my wife knows that. Like, I'm a homebody. I don't mind being at home. But I will say, man, yourself, uh, Tony Dungy, Mel Blunt, man, you guys have been uh, great father figures uh, in the absence of my dad when he passed away. But just also just watching you guys operate. So I wanted to give you your flowers, man. If if, if if nobody can ever say I didn't say it, it's on tape. I put it out there, man. You're a great guy. But speaking of another man, you know, like in 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 the NFL, as I I've been a part of your events, I've been a part of the NFL golf events for years. I mean, years now. Uh, like I said, dating back to 2012. I'm starting to feel oh, it's almost like year 10, 11 for us. But when I first started golfing with you guys, man, it was all about fun and celebration and this. And then the last like two years has been celebration of life like comments and, and, and mem remembering guys that passed away the year before. Uh, and now you add another one in Bud Grant. Uh, you, you told so many Bud Grant stories, man. But when he, when he passed away, like what's, what's one thing uh, you want everybody or wanted everybody to remember about Bud Grant? Man, from a football perspective, uh, Bud would never get beat on technicalities. Are, are not being prepared in terms of preparation. Um, you've heard the saying, Ron, when the test is given, mm -hmm. the teacher is quiet. And, and Bud would prepare us during the course of the week with everything imaginable. Uh, we had a list called what it takes to win. And we would go down that list and talked about what it was going to take on offense, defense, special teams. Jerry, Dur Jerry Burns picked up that same mantra and used it during his tenure as head coach of the Vikings. Mm -hmm. And one thing that Bud always reminded me of is he said, touch, this is a business. And he said, if you need any more reminder is when we move from old Met stadium to the Metrodome. And, and then the next phase two was the building of winter park. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to share a story that a lot of people may find crazy because this was the nfl back before we had a facility during the winter months when the tarp was on the field at old metropolitan stadium mm -hmm. we would get on a bus and drive around the city and try to find a park that didn't have a whole heck of a lot of snow wow and we would take shovels and brooms <laughs> and sweep off part of that field to practice wow and then we would get back on the bus come back to old Midway Stadium because that's where the locker rooms were and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then we would go home. Wow. When we built Winter Park because practices were very short. Yeah. I was out of 
practice maybe about 2, 30, 3 o'clock during the course of the week. And that include heavy days, uh, uh, goal line, all of those things. I'd be done by 3 o'clock. And when we built Winter Park, we we're standing out and he told me, he said, touch. He said, football as we knew has changed forever. I said, what do you mean, bud? He said, you know, the early practices that we had and all of those things. He said, well, those are things of the past. I said, why? He said, you see this million dollar facility that they just built? And this was back in 1982, 83, somewhere when, when Winter Park was built. He said, all of these executives, Mike Lynn included, they're going to want to see somebody in these buildings, somebody using the weight rooms and all of those other things. And he wasn't lying. And I saw the game shift to more of a streamlined business. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me more than anything else. And he would always say, touch, handle your business, handle your business. You see, I can get anybody to come out and put on a helmet or a jersey to play football. We're not paid to play football. We're played to win. And when we don't win, changes will come. Man, we had so many private and personal conversations, Ron, some that will take both of us to our graves. But Bud was, Bud was Bud. He too treasured his time with family. Mm-hmm. He too treasured his time with getting away from the game. He said, sometimes you just got to get away from it. That's why he enjoyed hunting and fishing mm-hmm. and all of those things. He was never a golfer. And, there, I, you know, I don't know. He played cribbage, him and Zamberlady and all of those things. But. I could look at him and all of the things that he had going on. He always made time for his kids. And I, too, uh, my family made unbelievable sacrifices. Mm -hmm. My kids had to share me with other kids. And now that we're adults, we come back full circle and we have conversation about that. So now that's why in this last part of the journey, I'm going to spend as much time as I possibly can. I know I could still be doing the broadcast and all of mm-hmm. those things, but Eleanor and I were talking and God has given us some remarkable journey. We've got some unbelievable journey behind us, mm-hmm. but we wanted to make sure that the journey that's in front of us, that we did it at our pace. We danced to our own music and we danced to our own drummers. And that's why we dropped the mic on the broadcast, uh, sold everything in Minnesota, moved back to Jacksonville, so that we can nurture family. My mom, uh, my brother, we lost my mom a couple of years ago. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's what you, it's what you do. That's what family is mm-hmm. you know, because I, I applaud you for spending as much time as, as you do with your family. See, you can't get those hours back. Right. You not get that time back. So I applaud you as a young father uh, and a young family man to treasure those times, man, because um, when they're gone, they are gone. And before you know it, those girls are going to be out of the house with their own families, mm-hmm. living their own lives. And you just hope and pray that they allow you to be a part of it because that's no guarantee. But man, we, we are so blessed uh, but I know Shawnee's going to make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know that ain't going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah, because you know we deal with we deal with her parents and my mom, and so yeah, you know we we are big on uh, like I noticed that too at my age. Uh, you know, we try to do a yearly trip, you know, with our family. My daughter just went to Colorado and played in a big time softball tournament. Um, you know, she was recently kind of listed as an all American for next mm. season for, for 12 year olds and 13 year olds. So uh, I know we're already kind of prepping family for that. Like if she makes this all-star team or this all American team or whatever, and gets to travel to Oklahoma to play uh, represent Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, I think is the section eight is what we're considered. Um, or tier eight, whatever it is down here in this area. But you know, all that stuff where we're, we're, our family is like, Oh, let us know when she's playing. We want to come out and see. So it's, it's been fun, but I, I will say I've learned a lot uh, from you guys. And I know even like when my dad would come back for the, for the rise with the guys, that was the one thing, you know, like the stories about that. And then Mel Blunt would talk about Greg Coleman, you know, as the punter and, and, you know, Oh, that Coleman guy, he's up there, isn't he? You know, I, I remember him as a put, you know, so I, I loved, those stories like when i was younger i'm not gonna lie i tell i told mel blunt this because he was on the show a while back mm-hmm. and i was like when i was you know when i was 18 17 16 um i don't think i, I took it for granted not gonna lie i did and that's why i don't do that anymore uh, and that's why i'm glad my daughter doesn't take it for granted that she gets to you know meet justin jefferson and stefan mm-hmm. Diggs and adam mm-hmm. thielen and she went to cj ham's house um and she appreciates it i don't think as a football player because i was already a kid and a football player i didn't appreciate that i told i told somebody else that. i'm like man i sat on the sideline of michigan versus minnesota Lynn Swan was the broadcaster for ABC and I like just waved at him because he yelled out my nickname, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it now. My nickname was Pookie. So I knew if somebody yelled out Pookie, they had to know me as a baby or a kid. And I'm like, so I hear, I hear somebody yelling out Pookie, but I'm in Michigan. So I'm thinking like, it's my family. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, blah, blah. I realized like into the game, I'm like, wait, that's, that's Lynn Swan. So I, I do go over there and say, what's up. And he felt old. He's like, man, I can't believe you're in college now. And I remember you were born, but I, you know, like interactions like that. I don't think I ever, like, I didn't take advantage of that. Like I didn't mm-hmm. try to take a picture or sit mm-hmm. down and talk to Lynn after yeah. the game. You know, I was just like, Hey, we just played Michigan. All right. I'm getting on the bus, you know, thank good. You know, good to see you again. And like, you know, but now I do. Now when I get to talk to Donnie Shell and, and Tony and, and yourself and Mel Blunt and, and Lynn, because he was at USC, um, you know, even Ray Anderson, who was the vice president of the NFL, was at, you know, Arizona State. Like, I take those conversations now for what they are. Like, I even, you know, talking to uh, Kraut, Paul, Paul, Paul Krause, because Paul Krause, when he's on the sideline, he talks about my dad because they were both DBs and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks so I love these conversations now. Like I got to talk to uh, Randall McDaniel at training camp last week. You know, even me, that, like me, at the let night. Me let me interrupt you one, one moment because you you just you just pricked this the heartbeat of what this fraternity is about. I was in Canton last week uh, prior to coming to Minnesota mm-hmm. for the induction of Ken Riley, uh, who was one of my mentors, uh, one of my teachers. I had Ken Riley as a homeroom teacher. Uh, in high school for a couple of years prior to going to uh, the NFL. I was drafted by Cincinnati. I drove to training camp with Ken Riley. And to to see last week Tony and having conversation with Mel and Donnie and all of those guys up in Canton last week, mm-hmm. Ron, those memories are so valuable because Sooner or later, you'll come to realize and understand that all we have are moments and memories. Mm-hmm. And that's at a certain point in life, you understand that that's what we're making for our kids. That's what's going to be built on our legacy. Mm-hmm. So I applaud you early. I'm giving you your flowers too, bro, <laughs> you know, to take advantage of that 
you are creating those memories and the legacy of the Johnson family will it will live on forever because I know that you've shared some of these stories with your daughters, with your wife. And now they're beginning to understand because they are a part of legacy. So, man, you you just hit a home run for me. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, one thing I want to I want to make sure I hit on, too. You talked about, you know, spending other time with other people's kids and doing all this stuff. You partnered with the YMCA, the UYMCA a long time ago uh, with the Greg Coleman Foundation. And now you have a golf tournament, you know, benefiting kids. Uh, it's up in Bunker Hills when this airs tomorrow. Uh, which will be Tuesday. We'll be on the course by the time it actually hits the presses. Um, I'll probably be 14 under by that time. Uh, <laughs> yes, you will. Because the myself, guys, yeah, my yeah. highline construction guys get the ball. I give them that. Yes, like they, I, yes, I put, I put some drives out there for them, but they do have one guy that's a, uh, I think he's a four handicap or five handicap. So he puts it close. So I, I know it at some point we'll be close. I don't know. You know, usually we're always 12, 13 under the NFL went about the same and then we get some strokes. Right, right. But you spent a lot of time after sports. Like a lot of guys retire and they don't like, I see Chad Greenway still do it. So I don't know if this is a Minnesota thing or what. Um, but I don't see a lot of Detroit lions, you know, still doing charity work. You see some, but not a lot, but you guys, man, in Minnesota, especially the Vikings, but yourself, you've continued to grow your foundation. You continue to grow your golf event to benefit kids. Uh, explain a little bit about like your heart and, and why you continue to do that. Well, I was a Y kid myself growing up down in Jacksonville, Florida. The, the Y is where I learned how to swim, where I learned the fundamentals of teamwork, where I understood sportsmanship, all of those things. So I'm a benefactor of the YMCA. So all I'm doing is try to give back just a little bit to young people in this community that if they can gain just half of what I gain mm -hmm. uh, by being a Y kid, it will serve them for the rest of their lives. It's part of my core values. Uh, my dad told me three things. He said, son, if you take these with you, it'll serve you well. And just say thank you, please, and how can I help you? And that's a fundamental, universal core of what's kept me grounded hmm. because we all are standing on the shoulders of somebody else regardless of whether it's in sports whether it's in business or broadcasting or whatever lot in life you choose somebody else paved the way and all i'm trying to do is pave the way for my kids and my grandkids and their grandkids because we all need help and the services that the Y has provided in this community has been incredible. Mm -hmm. Ron, there were kids that started this program many, many years ago. Tomorrow, you know, this tournament will be our 24th year. Wow. And we now have young people who have gone through the programs of the Y who are now executives in the YMCA. So we have seen the fruits of our labor the investments that, that the community is having. We have some great partners with TSR Injury Law, mm -hmm. uh, SICK, U.S. Uh, Delta Airlines, the Minnesota Vikings, Medica, the list goes on and on and on. Steve Terry, our, our, our presenting sponsor at TSR Injury Law. Mm -hmm. Steve was a Y kid. People mm -hmm. ask, Steve, why do you do this? He said, you know what? Had not been for the Y. And he'll tell you this himself. There's no telling where I might be. Mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't be uh, have this amazing law practice here in the Twin Cities, uh, face on billboards all over the place. 
but his dad saw fit to get him in the Y. His dad was a supporter of, of the UY program as well. So, it, Ron, if you help somebody, somebody may not be in a position to help you, but they'll be in a position to help somebody else mm-hmm. who might be in a position to help you. So you never know where the favors God is, where the favor of God is going to come full circle. So that's why we do what we do. Eleanor uh, grew up right down the street from that same YMCA on the north side of Jacksonville. So we we know, and she being an ed- educator, mm-hmm. know what it meant to give kids and young people the opportunity to succeed, whether it's on or off the field. Most kids who play sports, who go through the sports programs, they won't sniff an NFL career mm. or any professional sports. But man, can they be productive citizens in this community? Absolutely. And that's all we're trying to do. Well, I want to ask you a question about your position. You play punter in the NFL. Uh, the direction of the NFL right now, uh, kick returners are in jeopardy because they're talking about now you can just fair catch these kickoffs and get it to the 25 like college football. Uh, so true kick returners are like Devin Hester made a comment about that. Like he's like, if it wasn't for, you know, being able to kick return, I wouldn't be in the NFL. Uh, Bernard Barian came on the show, said the same thing. He's like, man, if I, you know, he said, I, w- I was a good receiver at Fresno State, but kick return made me a third round pick and the reason why the Chicago bears wanted me, the reason why the Minnesota Vikings gave me money to come to Minnesota. Uh, And so a lot of guys who were true kick returners, uh, but also maybe that added value to their career is changing. Now you talk about the punt. Now they're saying some of these punts are dangerous. Some of this stuff is dangerous. Kickoffs are dangerous. Uh, What what are your thoughts on how the own, and again, this is going to take a ton of votes, a ton of stuff, time to change, but what do you think about owners, trying to like make this on fourth down instead of punting we're just going to give you a chance to throw a fourth i forgot what the rule is sam knows it but it's like i think you get like a fourth and 15 opportunity or something instead of onside kicking and then punting now they're talking about that too like maybe you can do this and then ball moves to their 30 it's all these weird rules they're thinking about but what are your thoughts on that as they try to say like well maybe special teams guys instead of that we have an you know an additional receiver another another running back what are your thoughts on that with all due respect most owners have never strapped up a helmet. I've never never put on a jersey, mm-hmm. and really don't understand the game. They understand the business side of football, right? But the game itself is shifting to a point where it's not going to be the game that we knew, the mm-hmm. game that we played, the game that we grew up on. Yes, it is a dangerous game. We all take that risk and the responsibility. We know that, but the other side. There's nothing like football, Ron. There's nothing like being on a team. There's nothing like being in a locker room. There's nothing like being in an NFL huddle. If Mm. you've never been in the middle of the field in an NFL huddle that you're so close that you know what each other had for a pregame meal, that's (laughs) brotherhood, man. There's nothing like that. But the game is going away from that. I understand the safety points. Mm -hmm. I get it. But sooner or later, you're going to make the game so plastic mm-hmm. that it's that it's going to to lose the true sportsman, the true person that really loves the game. Now, you're making dinosaurs, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. out of guys like Cordell Patterson, yeah, Devin Hester. 
Wene Wong Wu, who's got three in his first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be different. I hate the fair catch rule mm-hmm. uh, on kickoffs. Um, here's a can I be transparent? Can I be? Yeah, honest? of course, always. The things that really tick me off about some of these competition committees, mm-hmm. whenever they want to shift the game, they pick on special teams. They they move the kickoff back. They move mm-hmm. the goalposts back. You know, you can't do this. You can't do that. It's it's all it's easy to pick on special teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're gonna do something, hell, I don't know what you're gonna do, but just leave the kickers and punters alone. Yeah, yeah, no, because in games I remember like the 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 I forgot what we called it, but it was like a almost like a pooch kickoff where you try to like get it inside the one yep. so they have to return it. Yep. And they can't just down it. And then if yep. they make a mistake and don't catch it, it might bounce out at the one. So they kind of have to like, you know, it's, it's 50-50 chance. If you let it drop and it goes to the end zone, great. But if that thing takes a weird bounce because the kicker has put it you know, on the tee a little bit different and try to kick it to the five or the ten and kick it high, like that's a lot of the strategy that they're trying to it's take out skill, the game. You're man. right. Yeah, It's skill. They are taking the skill away from punters and kickers who have worked their entire lives to, to, to find an advantage. You know, I had this, this flutter kick, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Ray guy hit it high and long. Reggie Roby hit it high and long. Well, I had a flutter kick that I, that it depend on my drop. I would get it up and it would float and it would turn to the side and it would float. Wouldn't get a whole lot of height, but mm-hmm. it would just hang in the air. And then it would take that bounce to the right and bounce out of bounds. You know, they just always screwing with the punters and kickers, man. So let's talk about somebody else before I say a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> well, last one before we get out of here, man. Uh, culture is the big word now around football. Deion Sanders just came out and said, culture, I don't need a culture. I'm a winner. We're going to win, and that's my culture. I don't know if that's sustainable long term, but when his son's at quarterback – and uh, his his nephews at cornerback, or sorry, his sons at quarterback. His other sons at safety. His other nephews at, at nickel. He's got his whole family, basically. You know, his daughter, which I love. Like I'm yeah. all for it. If you can get your family and put them on, and they're actually good. I mean, let's be yeah. real. His his one son yeah. was at South Carolina. His right. other nephew was at Alabama. So these ain't like Rudy Pooh family members. These is like the best of the best that didn't want to go to Jackson State. But now they're like, hey, uncle at Colorado, like. Let's go to Colorado, man. We power five now. We about to be on TV. We going to the SEC. Um, So when you look at Colorado, and that's Dion's comments, and then you go to PJ Fleck. Of course, I got the or behind me. His culture is family. Forget about me. I love you. Then you look at some other programs like Nick Saban. That's like, look, it's my way or the highway, but it works for him because he's winning national championships. When you see Kevin O'Connell come in and he's building this culture of like, you know, kind of like Tony Dungy. It's family. It's laid back. It's relaxed. You got people. But Tony Dungy always had that, well, you only won one Super Bowl. You know, you couldn't really get over the hump after the, you know, Peyton Manning did this. For you. Do you think Kevin O'Connell can long-term, that can be the culture in today's youth? Because today's youth is all about this. It's all about, you know, access. I can tweet out my emotions. The minute you piss me off, I can jump on here and tell the world you made me mad. But do you think that's going to work for, well, one, Dion, and then do you think it's going to continue to work for the Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell? Absolutely. I mean, you you look at the shift that was made in the atmosphere last year when Kevin came in, he and Kwesi, mm-hmm. the first thing that they had to do 
was shift the culture. I was talking with some folks, uh, one or two confidants that I shared that I was going to retire prior mm -hmm. to the change in the new coach. I said, Greg, hang around. There's going to be a new culture. There's going to be a new coach. There's going to be a new. I, I didn't want my decision to be based on who was going to be in those seats of leadership because mm -hmm. I knew whoever it was had to shift the culture, had to shift the atmosphere. And Kevin has come in. Uh, he's, he's almost like a Pied Piper. And if you listen to him long enough, you'll believe him. Mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of Sam Rotigliano when he came into Cleveland many, many years ago um, after Art Modell fired Forrest Gregg. He came in with a shift of culture and, and it was in your face, but it was it was, man, I love you. Together, we can do so many remarkable things. And if you believe the words that are coming out of his mouth, man, belief is so powerful. Uh, words are so powerful. So, yes, I do believe that Kevin has shifted this culture and can continue because he showed what happened. If you adjust, adapt, and execute a different game plan, they were, what, 13 and 5 last year? Yep, 13 um, and 4. Yep. Well, yeah, 5. They lost four. the playoff game. Yep, yeah. 5. They lost the playoff so, game. So the, the proof is in the pudding. What Dion is selling, as long as his players buy it, mm -hmm. that's all that matters. True. What Tony Dungy was selling back in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, his teams bought it. True. So it depends on who the salesman is. Mm -hmm. It depends on who the coach is. If guys can see truthfulness, and if they can trust and respect that coach, sky's the limit in the yeah. same way for this Minnesota Viking team. But I will say this. You can have a great culture all you want. I know Horse owners had a great culture, but they never won the Kentucky Derby. You cannot win the the Kentucky Derby with shuttling ponies. You got to have quarter <laughs> horses. You got to have guys who can, you know, understand who can who can split the helmet of a of a running back, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman. You got to have talent. You don't win in this league without talent. Uh, I look forward to the Minnesota Vikings having another successful year. Uh, I do believe that they will miss Dalvin Cook. I understand the business side of that. I thought Cookie was the straw that stirred that offensive drink. Mm -hmm. Her cousins, tremendous quarterback, good numbers. JJ, all world. But again, it takes all 53. And if all 53, like PJ talked about, that ore that you've got, that every ore in the water is rowing in the same direction. That's all culture is, Ron. Yeah. Well, if people want to know more about the Greg Coleman Golf Event, just go. You can, one, Google Greg Coleman Golf Event. It pops up on the YMCA uh, website. But you can go to ymcanorth.org, and you can see the Greg Coleman Celebrity Golf Tournament Tuesday, August 15, 2023. You can still go on there if you want to donate, if you want to check out the live auctions, because I know there's going to be some live auction items as well. Uh, but there's a beautiful picture of Greg and Eleanor on the website. There's TSR Injury Law with Greg Coleman. There's all the volunteers. There's autographs. And th at the bottom – there's a link for auction. You click that, it's going to take you to all the items. So as they get closer to the event, they will have the auction items go live. It's not live right now because they don't want people to get ahead of us who actually are going to show up and golf. But please go to this. And also, if you ever want to golf in the event, you can also go in here and get more information. But the 2023 auction will be available as soon as the tournament kicks off when that first person signs up. 
that auction is going to open up. So you're going to want to see that. I mean, Greg knows everybody. So you know there's going to be some pictures, some autograph stuff, maybe Muhammad Ali gloves. I don't know. There's always no. some great items. Here's 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 one that I got to tell you about. Okay. And there are only 12 of these in the entire world. We talked about Bud Grant, my mm -hmm. former coach. There is a autographed jersey and photographs of Bud with hints with his signature. It's already framed. It looks incredible. I may even bid on it myself. So that's going to be one uh, that's going to be on the live auction as well. All right. Make sure you guys check that out. Like I said, this will air tomorrow. So as you're hearing it now, it's probably 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Uh, golf tournament is going to kick off at around 11 a.m. So that auction is going to go throughout the tournament, people. So you have all day to jump on there if you want to get some Vikings memorabilia because I know you guys have those man caves down there. Please just go to ymcanorth.org. Also, remember, people, SiriusXM is a proud partner of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Minnesota Twins are playing my Detroit Tigers tomorrow, 640. If you want to catch every pitch tonight, Tuesday, every pitch, the Twins, Tigers, just go to the SXM app, and you can just search Minnesota Twins by joining the SiriusXM app. Also, you can get Locked On Sports Minnesota on there as well. Well, we got the Daily Three coming up next. That's three questions. We're going to take about a minute each because we spent a lot of time with Greg today. But we'll be back after this. Well, I don't know about you, Sam, but I love those stories from Greg Coleman and Bud Grant. Like, it's it's one of those things that reminds me of uh, just how historic the Minnesota Vikings program is. And then also, like I said, the community stuff that Greg and Chad Greenway and guys in this town do. Feels like Minnesota is always going to be Minnesota nice off the field as well. Uh, on the field, hope they get a little mean. But it's time for the Daily Three. Three questions. You take about 30 seconds each because Greg Coleman, we had to spend some time with him today. Um, so take it away, Sam. All right. Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com. He put together his top 50 free agents for next free agency period in 2024. Mm -hmm. There are three Vikings on the list, and you might be able to name them. Daniil Hunter, mm -hmm. TJ Hawkinson, Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Maybe Hawkinson signs that extension. We don't know, but he is on the list. Of those three, Ron, which one do you think is highest in the top 50? Hawkinson, Cousins, or Hunter? Highest on the list? Highest on the list. So in order of best free agents for next, next offseason. Uh, I'm going to say Kirk Cousins. It is Daniil. Oh. Daniil is number five on the list. Number wow. five. Kirk Cousins is number 10. TJ Hawkinson is number 37. What do you think of those rankings? I like the rankings as this was going to happen because they kind of know where they stand now because this stuff comes. I mean, this one, we need content. This stuff comes out for a reason. But the fact that TJ knows he's 33, I feel like he's more likely to sign with the Vikings and re-sign like during the season at some point maybe or get an extension. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like Kirk Cousins is then next because of like who else needs a quarterback. Now, maybe the Cardinals. I mean, you could look at something. I don't know if he wants to go play for that coach. Um <laughs> Pure, pure, explosive, explosive, explosive. You're fast. You're fast. Like what? You're fired. Like I saw If I was the owner and I saw that, I'd be like, all right, let's start over again. Who else is out here? Um, but if you if you think about Kirk Cousins, I think he would be next. And then I think of value because Daniel Hunter knows I'm one of the top five free agents for 2024. I got to get paid, baby. I got to get paid. So I think Daniel would be the least likely to resign. Um, mm -hmm. unless the Vikings backed up the Brinks truck, which they can't because they have to go get um, Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, I, I think Daniil Hunter, I, I would see him going to a 4-3 team in his next contract, his next stop, where he'd be looking for a 4-3 opportunity because I don't think he's a true 3-4 uh, outside linebacker. 
All right, friend of the show, Gopher Safety, Tyler Newbin. He is on the preseason Chuck Benarek watch list that is awarded to the best defensive player in college football. It's obviously a big task to win that award, but Tyler mm-hmm. Newbin is in the mix. What do you expect from Tyler Newbin this year, and do you think he could put up defensive player of the year type numbers? Whew. So this is where I say, I'd say the program now has reached a level of which people are paying attention. You see the number of guys that have gone to the NFL. You see the Antoine Winfields in the NFL succeeding. You see the Tanner Morgans uh, with the Steelers taking pictures with the um, uh, guy came on our show. I'm drawing, drawing a blank. Keith, Cole Keith. Um, yep. So you think about all these guys out there right now. You see Boye Mafe and Aceze Tame who changed jerseys at the Seahawks-Vikings game. Minnesota has elevated because now these GMs and people are seeing this. These voters are seeing this. Tyler Newbin's built like a Greek god. He has the speed and the ability to make catches in the in the in the uh, back of the end zone. You know, back across the field. You see him at practice recently, literally ball hawking, go all the way across the field, still a ball. So yes, I think he could be. I think you know what we'll see is you'll see him up for the top DB award. You'll see him up for the top defensive player award. I don't know if he can win both because I know sometimes, you know, they, they try to figure that out. Like, well, he wins the best DB, then this guy should win the defense player. If he wins the defensive player, then let's have this guy win the DB, which doesn't make sense. But I know it's happened before. Um, but, yeah, I can see Tyler Newbin up there making those plays because when, when you look at the way this team is built, he's going to be now a true leader captain back there. He's going to be the guy. He could have went to the NFL this year. Um, but you know, his grade probably wasn't high enough to feel like, well, I got another year. Might as well come back and try to be a first rounder, which I think he will now. Like if he has a decent year after everybody seen Antoine Winfield, knowing what Tyler Newbin's size is, like he's he's like a J. Ron curse, but he he has a better ceiling right now, and that's where I think people are seeing that the size, the big nickel ability for him to come in the box and make tackles, like he's built strong. So yeah, I could see him making those plays to win that. All right, last one, uh, Ron. You'll be shocked about this, but yeah, I, saw I have <clears throat> I have seen the blind side. Oh have you okay. seen have you seen the blind side? Of course, Sam. All right, you've seen the blind side. We both have seen the blind Numerous side. Times. Well, I'm a Sandra Bullock fan, so of course. Me too. I like Sandra, <laughs> Miss Congeniality. Exactly. Uh, that was that was the first movie, I think. Well, Speed. So I saw Speed. Did you see Speed? No. See, there you I've go. I've seen the proposal. <laughs> okay. With uh what's his name? Uh yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I Reynolds. like that one too. I was confusing with Gosling. Um <laughs> All right, so Michael Orr, subject of the Blindside movie, heartwarming film. Mm-hmm. He's alleging that the Tui family mm-hmm. tricked him into a conservatorship, not an adoption. They mm-hmm. never adopted him, apparently. They just signed him, like the Britney Spears situation. They signed mm-hmm. him to a conservatorship for financial gain, made millions off the movie, or didn't make a dime. How stunning is this allegation to you? Not stunning at all. Uh, money is the root of all evil. Um, people historically have done this to those lesser than uh, at that moment. He was lesser than he didn't know what he was doing. Um, they did take care of him. Um, but at the same time, people, if he was 5'10", 125 pounds, I don't think anybody would have been trying to get him in that school. I don't think anybody would have cared about where he lives. Um, you know, the, the, the dad that was the janitor at the school, I think is kind of how they told the story. Like his son, that was his friend. Um, and they played basketball together because we saw, you know, he was a basketball player too. Uh, but other than that, that was it. You know, it kind of had that. Le- and I know you haven't seen Shooting Stars with LeBron James, uh, but that was a similar type of situation where the dad was the coach and his son was on the team and the LeBron's friends were just all friends with him. And then, of course, LeBron started to grow, grow, and grow, and grow. 
even though they all stayed together, but LeBron became the guy. It started off as the coach's son was the guy because he could shoot. He was really good, and he was good. But LeBron getting a 6'8 was just like, whoa, this is the best guy in the country. Um, Michael or similar. Like, if he was just a little 5'10 guy out there just shooting baskets with, a, with the coach's friend, they might have got him in there. But I don't think they would have even thought about, like, getting all that. Like, when you see a guy 6', whatever he was, 6'6", 280 pounds or whatever he was, like 300 pounds in high school, yeah, like you you do see an opportunity like this guy could be really good. And then you get him on the field, because if you think about the way the movie was portrayed, once they got him on the field is when they then said, let's adopt him. They didn't adopt him out the gate. They adopted him after they saw how good he was going to be. And all the coaches started to show up and then they bought him a truck and blah, blah. And so I think there's always truth in a lie. You know, there's always some truth in a lie. If you mm-hmm. see the lie, you got to find where the truth is. And so that movie, if it's a lie, there is some truth in there. The, the timeline probably happened the way it happened, but they probably had to make it seem a little bit better. Because you can't say, hey, we signed a convert. Cause, like, could you imagine Sandra Bullock? Like, hey, sign this piece of paper. And then later, like, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 of this or Netflix special of this. Yeah. Michael Orr is attacking now. So now the next step is for him to sit down with Netflix or, or ESPN or somebody and do this actual story. Uh, talking about that because I think the family each got $225,000 and the kids, Michael or nothing. So the fact that, that, that Hollywood even did that, like, Hey, you're selling us this kid's story, but we're not paying him fine. Like they worked out a $900,000 deal and Michael or didn't get any of it. Their kids got 225 and they did nothing. And then the two, uh, the husband and wife got 225. They set their family up. They weren't worried about Michael or, and then when you think about, and because, I mean, he had already made it to the NFL, so maybe they were just like, oh, he doesn't need the money. Are you lying? Are you kidding me? Anybody needs 225000 Stop, Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you think about how that all played out, I could see that. Like, he's a young kid. He doesn't know what he's signing. Uh, he didn't even know his birth, you know, stuff. He didn't have a birth certificate. His mom didn't know. Uh, so, you know, there's truth in the lie. Some of that stuff probably is true. She probably did go down there to figure out, like, if she could, do- like, you know, maybe she did go see if she could adopt him or not. But clearly, maybe they were like, well, here's the easiest way to do it real fast. You can get a conservatorship. And now you guys are responsible for making decisions for him going to college and all that stuff. I think that's kind of how it happened. And maybe when they first signed the deal, they weren't even thinking about the money side of it. They were thinking about, we're going to be your uh, guardians in this situation to make sure you end up at the right college and you know get all your stuff done and get you a license because that was part of it too. We want to get you a license. That maybe is some truth to it. So maybe he did sign that. Like, hey, sign this paper. We're going to adopt you. Uh, we're going to have control over everything you do, not realizing the future benefit. I think, I don't think they started off malicious. I think eventually when they saw the benefit of it, it became malicious. And that's, that's where I think there's, I don't think it was right away. Like, Oh, we can take advantage of this kid. I just think eventually they realized like, Oh wait, we own his rights still. Like this is our, he, we're, mm-hmm. we're like, we're over his estate. Let's do it. Let's do a movie. This kid has a lot to offer. So yeah, I don't think it was initially that because I, I did find it weird. Like after he made it to the NFL, you stopped seeing like pictures of him with the twoies and you stopped seeing them like, you know, yeah. hanging out with them. And, you know, there was no more pictures after the fact online. And because you, you would think they would be at like Ravens games and it would get blown up. And no, there was none of that. So I, I figured at that point something wasn't right, but I didn't even realize what it was. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You? Well, what's stupid is, is that I think they were already a wealthy family, right? Like they, it's not like they didn't have a dime and were trying right. to get rich quick. I think they were already rich. So to take advantage of someone in his situation, just to get a little more money, that sucks. And then it sounds like, too, he was cut out of all all say in this movie. Correct. From a production standpoint. And from the article, 
it, it sounds like this movie was actually damaging to his reputation because right. he was perceived by teams as not intelligent or mm-hmm. raw and and that hurt his career or hurt the longevity of his career. I think it only lasted about seven years, Ron. I don't think he played that long uh, for a first round pick. So that that's unfortunate, too. He probably lost out on a lot of earnings in the NFL because of that. And uh, it's just a, a messy situ- uh, situation. Hard to believe that it went on for, what, 10 years, 10, yeah. 15 years without him realizing this sort of clerical, you know, conservatorship deal. But that's absolutely wild. I hope that it gets rectified. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, when you look at what they are saying and what they're doing and how it's going, um, that was the point. I think they wanted him to not have control of the movie because he probably would have told a little bit more truth and they it would have mm-hmm. been Hollywoodish. And so I think when yeah. they kind of started doing the movie, they're like, look, well, we got to change this for Hollywood. We got to make this look like this. We got to change this to look like this. How can we make this exciting? How can we make this fun? Um, so I think there's some truth to a lie. Like there's some truth in there, but they also had to make it up for uh hollywood and hey it is what it is it it, it sucks and uh, you know hopefully he gets his because it looks like he's suing them for a lot of, i mean the movie did 300 million dollars so and they got two and a half percent of the proceeds so who knows what the actual gross proceeds were or the net proceeds were or whatever they deemed the proceeds mm-hmm. were because i know hollywood said we you know the it cost this and this was our but because then like it was a big budget film like it wasn't like they lose a bunch of studio mm-hmm. like they used a house in somebody's neighborhood you know they used a school yep um, they used a football field like that was really it. It wasn't a ton of like, you know, they used a car and they drove down the street. Like if you think about the scenes and it was a couple houses in, in, the, in the projects, they didn't use a big time movie set and, and, and pyrotechnics and Tom Cruise jumping off of a mountain with a motorcycle like they didn't do all that. So I, I think that was, I, I guarantee I, I might have to look that up what the budget was. It was I just low- looked it up. It was it grossed three hundred nine million on a twenty nine million dollar budget. Exactly. So my math Told says you. that's two hundred eighty million profit. Told you it was not. It was very cheap. Whereas Tom Cruise's movie, I think the budget was like a hundred million dollars, and it's. I mean, it's expected to do billions for Mission Impossible. Like uh, not billion, sorry, mm-hmm. a billion. Uh, but yeah, hundred million dollar, like hundred million dollar, like all that stuff, the pyrotechnics and the CGI, you know. There was no CGI. There was no like, boom, twenty million dollars. That's just crew, couple houses, couple cars. Because uh, they had to crash a car, so you know that that was probably part of it. How do we crash this car? These two cars, and you know they got Ford. Got got a, probably was a sponsor because how how Ford tough that thing was. And <laughs> man, if it was any other car, he wouldn't have made it. Like you know, Ford's like, hey, throw us in there, F one fifty. We'll do it. Like that's that's where I'm thinking. Like there, it wasn't a ton of money put into this film and they made like you said 280 million dollars who knows what else was in that like paying the crew paying some other people but let's just call it 200 million dollars 80 million dollars went to everybody else 200 million dollars profit they end up let's say of that 200 million they end up getting their 2.5 percent for their family and michael Orr saw none of that and that's that's where i think um that's the problem is that you uh five million dollars five million dollars is 2.5 percent of that 200 million let's just call that but it might be even more than that i i'm, I'm mm-hmm. being generous saying 200 million it might be more than that and sandra bullock won an uh what an oscar or an emmy or something for that too so yeah 
Yeah, they owe Mike Orr some money, and so we'll see what happens. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Mexican. I want to thank you guys for joining. Uh, thanks for those that download on YouTube. Thanks for those that have watched us on Amazon Fire and Roku. Please go to your apps if you haven't and search Locked On Sports Minnesota, SXM Radio app. We are very appreciative. Please make sure you search Locked On Sports Minnesota on the XM Radio app as well, and then wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, as these games go on, every Monday now, we're going to break down the game. So there's a game Saturday. There's the Tennessee Titans. There's another game Saturday. The next Saturday, there's Arizona Cardinals. We will break that down. And we're going to do some state fair stuff. I think one of these roundtables, we're going to do some state fair talk, food, whatever. We have to. Five food of the state fair. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Because the Minnesota State Fair, I've heard, because I've been to Iowa's, I've been to Michigan's, I heard Minnesota's is the best in the world. Um, so we'll have to make sure you let you guys know about that. Maybe I'll get some footage too to give to Sam because we have the PJ Flex show coming up down there. So maybe I'll get some behind the scenes footage of the state fair of the PJ Flex show. Get Sam to, to post that on uh in the middle of one of our episodes, like a two-minute cut in for you guys to see uh me shooting it at the state fair. But again, I'm Ron Johnson, that's Sam Maxwell. Thank you guys and have a great day.